Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. All right, take it away. Mets live on KEX. Hey guys, welcome to a new winter, cults and culture. And today we're going to be talking about the 2012 album uh, by Mets, their debut album. And here talking to me about it is uh, my friend Dan from uh, hey, Dreadful Discs. How's it going? Pretty good. How you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, so Dan, Mets, who are they? What's their <laughs> deal? Um, so they're a Canadian three-piece band, classic lineup. Uh, bass, drums, and guitar, basically banging out some raw punk rock. Um, although it's not quite that straightforward. Um, in there, you know, you'll have elements of noise rock, um, garage rock. Mm-hmm. It's quite a nice review on all music, um, describing them as a ball of heavy genres, um, <laughs> lumping together everything: noise rock, post-punk, hardcore, no wave. Uh, or any style that might punish a pair of eardrums. And, like a- <laughs> um, I can relate to that because my ears are still ringing. Yeah, mine. On, yeah, so we went to see them last week, and it was only really at the end of yesterday that my ears stopped. It was actually uncomfortable to the point where it made me feel a little bit sick. Um, <laughs> it was really, you know, I've had it before, obviously, when you know your ears ring afterwards, but never to that extent. I don't think. Yeah. And it's not cool. Tinnitus is a bad thing. I know. T- um, tell but it was a Tintin. <laughs> it was a tiny venue, wasn't it? Um, I think it's probably the smallest venue that we've we've seen the band in. Um, I, well, I'd actually hazard to say uh, birthdays when that was still around um, was probably actually smaller. It was it was more longer, um, whereas this was more wide. But it's, it was Studio Nine Two Nine Six, I think it was in Hackney. Um, yeah, uh, a quite a trendy, trendy area. Uh, yeah, and it was um, it was a fairly, a fairly decent gig. It was just very, very loud, and very raucous. Which is perfect for them, I think. In a way, it was like the most fun um, gig that we've seen them play because it's become a little bit of a kind of annual pilgrimage for us now, hasn't it? Yeah, we've been to. I want to say we've been to pretty much every um, London headline tour gig 
that they've done since the beginning. And uh, do you actually remember when we went to see... So the first one was uh, Birthdays, um, I believe. And do you remember, we went to see them and we had got there a little bit early and we had a drink and they came up after their sound check, sat next to us and then were basically going through their like five-year plan. And they were like, so when are we recording the second album or whatever? And we were like... Oh my god! <laughs> I wonder if they did they hit their five year plan. I don't think I actually heard what they said. Yeah, I was I was trying to listen in, um, but yeah, they were talking about recording the second album when they're going to have to do their next tour and all this stuff. And uh, well, I believe they did it. Uh, but do you remember what also happened that night? I do. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> well, we were sitting having a very uh, a very civilized drink in the bar upstairs when we were told to push off, basically, because our table was reserved. I and don't remember seeing a sign, so that's not very British. <laughs> um, it's just not cricket. <laughs> Do you remember who it was reserved by? Yeah, because then we got moved about basically two feet to the left <laughs> and went and just sat at the bar. So we were kind of like waiting and watching to see who'd turn up to take our, our uh, table. And it's only bloody Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah celebrating his birthday at birthdays which is close down now it's a brew it's a brew dog um but with his yeah. mate uh, yeah well, that with his one friends. with the big face off the radio yeah nick grimshaw so it was in the papers he's a radio one dj for anyone that doesn't know he's radio one now was he then i can't remember but um the big radio station over here basically um and he's gay and all the headlines the next day were like saying, oh, Harry Styles and Nick Grimshaw and Item, that they were like, they went home together and all this stuff. Do you, do you remember that? And we were thinking, how weird that it was all taking place during this like, you know, rock gig that we were at downstairs. Yeah, well, I'm glad they had a great night because um, <laughs> we spent the initial part of their evening just like giving them evil looks until the band started. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was really weird when you think about that first gig to when we see them now, because that first gig was a lot... Um, I felt like uh, no one else really knew the music there, that it was a, more like the musos and the reviewers and people like that, rather than the gig we went to on Friday, which was a lot more buoyant. <laughs> and uh, basically yeah. just the whole place just going absolutely crazy, jumping up and down as a rush pit, which lasted the entire set. Um and it was yeah. pretty. It was pretty mad. But the, yeah, they even though that was like yeah, so seven eight years ago when uh, the album came out, when we, when we saw them when they were playing the album, um, like the age has remained like sixteen or whatever. <laughs> it's like that hasn't changed. Uh, as everyone's getting older, there's still these young kids coming in and listening to them, um, which isn't bad for like a band that's uh, you know coming close to forty now, if not already. Yeah. Yeah, but there's still like that really good, you know, kind of like old school kind of um, punk ethos. There are a lot of a lot of old dudes around, and I like the you know you said that it was quite raucous. It felt like a vintage punk crowd, like lots of crowd surfing. Some dude lost his shoe. Yeah, all of that was going on. It, it was really lively and just like had that brilliant kind of chaotic edge. Yeah, and I mean that's one thing that a lot of people say is that um, with Mets is that. It's all about the live experience with them, which, you know, I agree with. It's, it's still a great record on its own and it's great to listen to. But to really get a feel for it, um, I highly recommend you watch them live. Yeah, because essentially to me, uh, listening to the album again for this uh, discussion, I was like, this is just their live sound or it's, it's trying to capture the live gig 
just pump it up a little, little bit further. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And do you remember what happened at the... Um, I'm saying it. Do you remember? Do you remember what happened at the beginning of the of the gig when we were, we were standing there? I mean, of course you remember. It only happened like three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to tell it? You tell it because he, uh, he approached you, didn't he? So, that's, yeah, so we... We had this, there's an ongoing debate about, um, firstly, about when a show starts. So we asked the bouncer what time it started <laughs> and he said eight and we're like, oh, okay. Um, and it wasn't, it stores at eight. So we arrived there at eight because I didn't want to miss the support bands and we were the first ones, <laughs> first ones there. <laughs> so we walked in, got a few beers and we're just hanging by the stage and this little dweeby guy comes up, nothing wrong with being a dweeb, but he's, he's quite funny, um, came up and was like, oh, are you USA Nails? Who are the support band? And I was like, oh, no, no, sorry, we're not. And he was like, oh, okay, because uh, I, I wanted to tell them how great their album was. Yeah, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure it was, but yeah, no, I'm, we're not them. Okay, because I was trying to get like a, a copy, um, like a demo copy, uh, you know, because I've got my own radio show. Yep. <laughs> Still, it's not me. <laughs> I'm not part of the band. <laughs> Um, he wouldn't have it, would he? No. And then I was like, is he just trying to make conversation with us? And then and what was also weird is that I was going through the New Winter Instagram, which is at a new winter for anyone who's listening. And on my first thing that came up on my feed was was this couple like doing a peace sign to the camera or whatever. Um, and I looked around and he was standing next to me. <laughs> well, yeah, he was on the other side with his, girl, with his girlfriend. And it was like, uh, is this the same guy? Is this the same guy? Um, and it was. And that's the I end of that I still think you should have approached them. Is this you? Who's this on my phone? How did you get here? What, what's uh, the meaning of this? Out. It would have been glorious. Yeah. Um, and, and what it was was because I had followed a bunch of uh, people um, uh, who, who were Mets fans or whatever um, leading up to the show because of, of this very episode that we're doing right now that you're listening to right this very moment. And, uh, yeah, so obviously he's there <laughs> as well. Um, and he came up on my feed. It was really weird. How strange. Um, um the yeah. other funny thing about the USA nails story is that when the guys came on stage, cause we didn't know them, we hadn't seen them before. No. Uh, <laughs> you could kind of see where he was coming from. <laughs> there was a um, Cause we were also with our friend Rich, weren't we? Yeah. And bandmate. Yep. So, um, so we just look like kind of like slightly less palatable version of USA <laughs> Nails. Yeah, slightly less rock and roll looking. Um, and they're not even that rock and roll looking, so they're saying how, how lack of rock and roll we look. Uh, yeah, that was quite funny. And then, um, yeah, the second band, I, mean, I wasn't really going to go into this, but um, because we're talking about it with Phil's, which was an LA uh, girl band, but the, the drummer was a guy, but... Um, three three girls up front and uh yeah and that was okay they did aneurysm uh, by nirvana at the end which was pretty good but it kind of i think showed up the fact that the rest of their songs weren't that great there's one song in particular i really liked um and i can't remember what it's called but uh they're called Phil's, and i think their instagram is Phil's the band um which is okay i mean i don't know what you thought yeah i, I really liked it um I'd definitely be willing to give, you know, their album a, a go. Um, but they kind of remind me a little bit of Chastity Belt, which yeah. might sound like a bit of a lazy comparison, because obviously they're kind of like, they've got that early 90s alternative slacker, um, goodwill kind of uh, yeah. vibe. 
Um, yeah, it's definitely there. But musically, I think it was there. Yeah, there was a lot of crunchy kind of 90s guitar rock, pop, but also some kind of like hazy, jangly stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed them. It reminded me a bit of Breeders, and I, I don't like I don't know why, not specifically, but as you said, it's that kind of like 90s, yeah, not like post-grunge, but um, Dinosaur Jr. maybe, kind of slacker, yeah. rock, also like it's, it has elements of being heavy, but it's not actually really that heavy. Yeah, it's very sort of sweet and melodic as well in places. Yeah. Um, I really loved the aneurysm cover because I think that's really dangerous territory to do Nirvana covers. Yeah. Uh, as we know. And <laughs> um, I think they really pulled it off because they looked like they were enjoying it and they were into it and they were coming at it from the right place. It was sincere and it just uh, it rocked. Yeah, it was good. Um, and what did you think of uh, Mets? I mean, it was pretty much how we've seen them all the time, which is incredibly loud incredibly sweaty um and yeah the only thing i would say is that the the, the noise the sound wasn't acoustically speaking wasn't as great it was kind of volume over anything else and also i couldn't see the drummer that well he was kind of hidden in the shadows rather than you know having a light on him hayden menzies yeah. um and yeah which is a shame because i really like watching him drum and he's a yeah. good looking guy as well um, likewise, I, I well, I usually like watching the the drummers anyway, but especially him, trying to see what's going on because he's constantly busy. Um, yeah. and he's had a haircut as well. Yeah, I quite like seeing him flinging all his hair all over the place. But um, yeah, for people, visually, it's quite exciting. Yeah, he looks a bit like you know Thor, a bit like Chris Chris Hemsworth, um, in a sense of like you know quite a blonde, pretty boy, but also a little bit you know rocker, um, a bit dirty. Yeah, uh, he's an artist as well. Um, and funnily enough, uh, years ago, because um, I followed him because of his art thing and the band had posted whatever, and I got into a mini conversation with him about um, his art. Mm. And uh, then I think I said, oh, I think I'm actually seeing you guys in like three months or whatever. And then, um, yeah, I didn't hear anything back. And I think he probably thought, oh, it's a bit stalkerish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not asking for us to <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I'd obviously, you know, stepped over an invisible line of some of some sort. Um, yeah. So uh, tell us a bit more about about this album, because um, all, all I know personally is that obviously released in 2012. It's by um, uh, the guy from Holy Fuck, I believe, uh, Graham Walsh, and also a guy called Alex Bon Bonifant, um, who I know did. Uh, well, I know, like I know it. Um, as in I read that he did uh, the Crystal Castle's first two albums. Um, and yeah, any, anything else on top of that? Because that's kind of all I've got. There's not really that much out there about the album. So what what did those guys do? Cause, uh, I what didn't did they do? <laughs> <laughs> what have they ever done? Bonnie Fant. I don't know, they just produced it, whatever kind of producer does. Oh, the only other thing was that um, the guy, Alex, I think his name is the front man, the guitarist, yeah. his dad does the photos. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, funny. Because they're really cool, actually, the photos. They kind of remind me um, a bit of, like, the Smiths. Um, yeah. Like, visual. Yeah. 
I can see that. Yeah, uh, they're black and white. The, the actual photos. The last album, Strange Peace, was um, uh, like a drawing, <laughs> an illustration. I don't know how she said an actual album cover um, in terms of one that's designed rather than a photo. Not that, not that you can't design a photo. You know what I mean. But yeah, the black and white photos. The first two albums. Uh, and yeah, it's his dad that did it. But yeah, they do look quite moody and they kind of capture it quite well. Um, I mean, the, the, if you look the cover for this album is a school child it looks like um kind of with his head resting in his arms on a desk and Mets kind of blowing like right across the middle massive um like blowing out not blowing out his face but covering his face and all this stuff um and it's kind of and I think it's got something to do with that like youthful frustration and you know rebellious kind of nature um and which comes to in the album but yeah I don't, I don't know when you look at that album cover what, what does it say to you yeah, it looks very 80s punk rock to me. It could be a uh, Minor Threat cover. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, so yeah, so the 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 album, just to go back to the band, like you said, it's Hayden Menzies on the drums. Um, Alex Edkins is the lead guitarist and singer. And uh, I can't pronounce the other guy's name, but he's called Chris. And uh, he plays <laughs> well, you, the You bass. seem to do quite well. You said that all right. <laughs> There's a bit more of it. Slorak? Slorach? Okay. If this ever makes its way back to the band, I apologise, Chris. Um, <laughs> so they were formed in 2008 in Ottawa. So a good few years before the debut album. Again, in the way that a good punk band goes about progressing, building up an audience. I think they were just gigging around. Um, they released three singles starting in 2009 on the small label we are busy bodies never heard of it um presumably a canadian indie um at which point by 2010 they must have attracted the attention of sub pop um to me that was quite exciting when this album came out just seeing it on on sub pop because obviously for a lot of us of a certain age that's very resonant um and at the time it came out in 2012 to me, Sub Pop had kind of moved into a space of really putting out a lot of good indie, um, mm-hmm. indie rock, some kind of like folk rock, um, all very good. But it, you know, moved away from the early '90s sounds that you know is synonymous with them for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, so this was quite exciting. It heralded kind of like a return, bringing in a big noisy punk hardcore band and yeah apparently they kept applying to sub pop they were adamant that they were going to be signed um to this label and you can't blame them because it does feel like a a perfect home really for that sound great that they persisted something for us all to learn from (laughs) Um, so the album came out october 9th 2012 um it's my mum's birthday by the way (laughs) Did you get it for her as a present? Yeah. <laughs> Mum, listen to this. You said a happy birthday. We brought the cake out. <laughs> to, do, 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 do. <laughs> Just threw the cake in her face. Take that, you fucking car. <laughs> I love the idea that your mum was maybe like following the progress of the band from these early singles and was really looking forward to getting that album on her birthday. Yeah. She's like, finally. <laughs> they're going to go stratospheric. Yeah. <laughs> You got me Lighthouse Family. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) It's all wrong. Uh, 
Um, the album is very well received. By my mum. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the general public. Um, I mean, if you look at the kind of ratings it was getting, you'd think it was Sgt. Pepper's. Um, <laughs> Pitchfork Media, 8.5. Pop nice. Matters gave it 9. NME gave it 8. Um, the BBC gave it a positive review. The whole um, of the BV- BBC? Yeah. Auntie, as a whole, recognised it in a positive light. Good. Um, AV Club gave it an A. And on Metacritic, um, a score of 82 out of 100. So universal acclaim, really, across the board. The criticism really um, centres around the sort of sameness of the sound and some of the songwriting. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a valid point. And it's something that we'll come on to a bit later when we go through the album track by track. But yeah, some of the songs um, do follow kind of the same formula. And even, uh, you know, they're essentially sometimes they sound almost exactly the same. But we'll, yeah, we'll come on to that. Yeah, and it's something that I find that I struggle with at the gigs because a song starts and I'm like, yes, it's rats. And then it isn't. And then the next song starts. And I'm like, rats. No. And in fact, they didn't play it on Friday. I was very disappointed in that. Yeah, there is a, as we should say, there's a track called Rats. It's not just Dan <laughs> acting like, you know, a 1940s man that's missed the bus <laughs> or something. Drat. Yeah. Um, oh, it's rats. a very versatile song because um, you can change it to cats. So like, I could come around your house and say, Sam, yes. you've got cats, which you have. <laughs> I have got cats. Got I've also got hats. And Mats, which sounds <laughs> like Mets. <laughs> and so the circle is formed. <laughs> yeah, why didn't they spell rats with a Z? Oh my God, that would have put them over with the kids. <laughs> exactly. Idiots. It's like their band name. It's, they're named after the New York Mets or whatever <laughs> team. No, I did hear um, that they were literally like, people are like, so, you know, what's with the name? Is Mets... The name is actually a German town that's like in the middle of nowhere. Essentially, no, that's not fair. It might it might be a fairly decent town. I've no idea to anyone who might actually live in Metz and be annoyed that that was <laughs> that <they're, laughs> it was called a little town. Um, but um, yeah, when asked about it, they're like, I don't know, we're like maybe we were on a tour bus and saw it. Like that's kind of how much thought they've given their band name. But it's uh, it's one of those words that I suppose you know, doesn't mean anything really to anyone. And now it means something, which is kind of one of the best, you know, when you are naming a band, it's kind of what you want is that it becomes synonymous with you rather than, you know, uh, a word. The actual city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, I've actually been there. I went there on, uh, it's, it's in France, actually. I was on a road trip two ah. years ago and um, stopped off. And I've got to say, um, the album made more of an impression on me than the city. Oh, did you say it was in France, not Germany? It is indeed. Oh, in how? God's, God's sake. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, I'm going to whip my ass <laughs> <laughs> With a French baguette. <laughs> Some of those mats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my cats. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, should we talk about um, the album itself? I mean, let's do it. Let's we get into like the the heavy, 
the heavy stuff, the meat of the album. Um, so how many tracks are there, Dan? Including oh this hit, the hidden track. Including the hidden track, then you're looking at 11. Oh, watch out. How- <laughs> However, I mean, I think we should consider the album to be the 10 songs because that's what was pressed onto the vinyl long-playing disc. True. But if we're not going to hide some bits at the end of the podcast <laughs> where we talk about <laughs> the hidden track like you would do a hidden song, we are going to talk about it in its own merit and it will last probably about five seconds because it's actually um, quite shit. Anyway, let's get straight <laughs> into it. Oh. It's not. It's not even. It's not even a hidden track. Why put it on there? We'll get to that. That's right at the end. Um, you don't want to skip forward. We'll keep going. So the first track is "Headache," um, and all these titles are really nothingy, kind of punky, um, throwaway uh, titles, I would say. Um, and so are the lyrics. But we'll, we'll come on to that. But "Headache" goes a little bit like this. highlight of any gig i get so excited when they do that yeah. and they kind of stand or alex stands doesn't he With kind well, he's of, not he's uh, not sitting down d- no <laughs> god uh, they they, <laughs> they really need to introduce actually an acoustic suite into the end of their uh set where they all sit down and then rise simultaneously at the crescendo <laughs> of the music a la boy zone just not um, not playing just going but they do that thing and it's um it reminds me of steve albini when shellac used to do uh wing walker because he looks like he's pretending to be a plane (laughs) i have to take your word for for that one um but yeah it's it's, uh, a good first track to have because it's straight away it's hitting you with those with those that drum sound and the thing is this whole album is that unlike you know other rock albums maybe the drums are very much at the forefront of a lot of these songs um and which is good because it really they're really good um and each time it hits you know that snare or anything it sounds like a gun <laughs> so it's literally yeah. like you're being hit by like a shotgun in this intro bit and then like when he's doing any fills or rolls it's like a machine gun like hitting you um it's a really like visceral kind of feeling which you know really adds to that whole entire sound um but yeah this song it's got a cool guitar riff um and i, re- I remember reading somewhere that uh, there was a review of this album saying how um alex plays his guitar like a drummer and the drummer plays like a guitarist and huh. I can kind of, I can kind of see that if you know what I mean. It's I can see where he's coming from there. Um, you know, guitar-wise, hits the notes hard. Um, and it's, in this song, it's a slight offbeat with the drums, almost like how a bassist would perhaps play. Um, so it makes it really impactful. Um, 
you're really hearing each note is thudding into your very being. Um, you also hear a second guitar in there that's playing a loose chord in the background, uh, which is quite interesting behind the riffs. Um, this comes up again and again throughout the album. Uh, you've got these like cool riffs, but also there's, yeah, this background loose chord playing that's kind of going on. That's kind of not only making it a fuller sound, but also making it a bit more interesting. Um, and it's catchy. Uh, the drums sound cool. Um, yeah, they are the real kind of focus of the album. Um, they're not just keeping a beat they're you know, playing their own like hard hitting melody in their own right. Um, and you talk about the vocals generally, they're quite high, quite close to breaking into screaming. Um, yeah sound again quite post-punk not really it's not really singing a melody as much as like making it's kind of done with a conviction it's making a statement or adding another texture to the sound it's very aggressive can be quite whiny um in, in a good way he, he's more announcing than singing uh and yeah this song in particular is just full of roles um lots of drum fills that are incredible to be honest it's it's full of different beats it keeps it interesting but it's always coming back to that main riff each time. And that's what, again, kind of happens throughout um, on the album. Uh, it, it ends on a, in a frenzy. And within a couple of, literally a couple of minutes, you're done. <laughs> it's <laughs> fast, it's frantic, and yeah, it's fun. Great opener. And it just really sets that mood. It gets the heart thumping for the, for the rest of the album. Um, I mean, what were, your, what were your thoughts? Was this, a, you know, when you first heard this album, when you first heard this song, what did you think? Yeah, exactly. With this song, it establishes the Mets sound uh, for the rest of the album, um, but it differentiates itself with that quite clear, uh, like vocal hook. Yeah, that sort of chant. Um, obviously, as you've mentioned there, like the drums are really special. Um, not just in this song, the whole album, the band. I think really that's what is partly kind of what makes them so unique. Um, it's interesting you say, you know, he plays it like a guitar because he's really, really busy. And you'll notice this if you go and see them live, he's always doing something. And often, you know, as a drummer, um, you might return on the verse back to the hi-hat and the snare and just play like a 4-4 like beat. Um, and especially with like hardcore punk, that's often often the case. You just play it really, really fast. Um, but he's looking for other things to do. It's quite tribal. Yeah, very um, tribal. He's but he there's a lot of tom work going on, um, and it just means that it's constantly unrelenting um, and just really exciting. Yeah, it's interesting because it's. I always think like, how is he even? you know, coming up with this, how much how much work is there kind of going on, you know, or do they just enter the room and just start playing? And apparently it's the latter. Apparently they just go in and these songs come up or they just throw them about. But I really think, like, with what the drummer Hayden's doing, it's like this part of me thinking, he's going he's going back and he's listening to those songs and he's thinking, you know, what can I do here? What can I do there? Mm -hmm. How would this work? How would that work? And bringing it back. Um, so where they quite nonchalantly say, you know, oh, you know, it's all kind of in the room. I'm thinking, I don't know, because that's stuff there that you can't just, you know, bash out. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. you can. Maybe you know, he is that amazing, and he probably, probably is. Um, yeah. But it's, it seems like it's like meticulously thought about. Uh, I would think, anyway. Yeah, maybe, and I, I think um, not to 
do down the guitar work, and I don't know, maybe you'll expand upon that later. But for me, it's that drum sound and that all those patterns that kind of um, are the main thing that take this away from just being kind of like straight hardcore punk and bring it into the realm of noise rock and like post punk. Um, they they just introduce a different set of rhythms and um, make this a more expansive sound. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll kind of get into it a little bit, but I I kind of think that what a lot of the guitar work and the vocals are doing is there's a lot of crescendos, there's a lot of mini crescendos, there's a lot of build-up, um, and I'm not just talking about the build-ups that are in the songs, I'm talking about each riff in itself, each like, you know, four bar basically, is its own little build-up and release, which you know, with everything combined, it, you know, it makes them really satisfying songs to listen to. Um, and a lot of yeah. that's to do with the, with the guitar work. Um, lyrically, it's not, it's nothing to write home about basically. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to go into too much of the lyrics for each song, but, um, it kind of matches the music. It's frustrated. It's angry. It's full of can'ts and don't want us, you know, a bit like Ramones, um, <laughs> annoyance, you know, there's, there's feelings of isolation, anger, not being able to connect to people or the, or the world. It's defeatist. Um, so there's this kind of like uh, teen spirit, uh, pardon the pun really, but um, not not much more than that. There's no real meaning here. There's no kind of stories behind the songs. It's like, and especially, and the lyrics for this song kind of show that, you know, I can't move, I can't stay, I've got to get away. Um, you know, got nothing on, something missing. It's always like the negative, basically. It's always that frustration. And that's why you're like mixed in with that music and that um, it really kind of builds that thing inside you of being like, you know, you just want to build it up and let loose. Um, so they've really like tapped into something here that um, is really successful and makes it a really good listen. Yeah, just to sort of um, <laughs> not undermine you, but um, just thinking about like, Nirvana and their sound and how people used to go, oh, it's really negative, you know, the the, the mainstream. And I remember Dave Grohl saying, no, it's, it's so much fun to play. It's really positive. <laughs> and yeah. um, just picking up on, not not my thought, <laughs> my original thought, this is AV Club made a point of saying, like, Mets isn't a statement of nihilism or finality. Um, it's actually bright. And again, like, you get that if you go and see them live. It's just really good, good fun. Although the lyrics kind of... Uh, based on that kind of like old school punk kind of philosophy yeah and it's all kind of like kitchen sink and a bit degrading and frustrating and angsty um it's all done in the spirit i think of like positive energy yeah i mean it's very self-aware it's kind of meta meta mets almost um <laughs> but yeah not to be like oh it's like you know depressing or something like that it's you know these bear in mind as well these guys are in their 30s when they when the album was released so mm. there's no actual kind of like you know yeah like real teen anger or anything like that it's yeah just kind of capturing that that energy and that spirit and again we talked about this like horrors as well but um a lot of songs that you know kind of connect with people are usually ones that are quite uh triumphant or you know celebratory or whatever but are done um, with like a tinge of sadness in like the lyrics or what they're about. And this is kind of it. It's a very like fuck you song and it sounds quite negative and, and all this stuff, but it's actually, you know, cathartic and a, and a positive, a positive thing. And it's all done. Um, it's not done from, even though it gives the impression of it being like angry and all this stuff, it's not really, 
as you said, it's like, it's very positive. It's a lot of energy and, and all this stuff. It's just, you know, lyrically, yeah. it's kind of like just more of a tone thing to yeah. fit the sound rather than anything else. Yeah, it's kind of stylized. It's uh, the right words to get across the right attitude. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the next song is Get Off. Let's have a listen to Get Off. Well, that was Get Off. <laughs> it starts starts with a kind of like jangly, jingly, jangly, interesting guitar riff. Um, it's, you know, again, it's very simple. It's got an interesting melody to it. The bass is really simple here, but um, all of them, you know, they're kind of keeping up the pace of what we've just heard. It has some interesting breaks and like, you know, weirdly, it sounds quite poppy um, to me. The chorus is it's kind of like almost like a, a moment of madness in this rather like stable riff beforehand uh, so it's it's generally quite cool um i love the bridge here as well uh especially where it's just the guitar and then the bass and the drums kick in at certain points before it breaks into um into this solo uh it's a really, really great part where it just feels like fun and noisy and through the ba- uh, basically the basis is keeping it all together by just having that quite simple bass line um whilst everyone else is just kind of having fun around it and there's that big build up until the end and again it's really short really simple and really powerful at the same time so yeah get off um it's quite interesting because they obviously selected that as a highlight from the album um the album was nominated for the polaris prize in 2013 Mm -hmm. um which is kind of like i suppose the canadian mercury prize it's just for good music across any genre um so it made the shortlist of 10 albums alongside bands like Godspeed You Black Emperor who went on to uh, win um, White Horse Young Galaxy Purity Ring I like Purity Ring and so on and so <laughs> forth <laughs> um, but yeah to sort of announce and promote uh, the Polaris Prize um, some 7 inch singles were pressed up and this was like a joint release through Sub Pop and Scion. I don't know if you remember or know about like the Scion label. It was quite Bob interesting. Barley. I think it it was um, I think it was a venture by yeah. <laughs> by Toyota. Sorry, what are you One talking about? Car, car brand bought out a record label. Brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was part of their attempts. Basically, they had some car that they wanted to sell to like young first time drivers. Right. So they put a huge, huge budget behind promotion. Um, it's quite cool. Instead of using that in traditional ways, they used it to set up a record label and just release stuff um, by like really cool underground bands. But they, they didn't really pick necessarily bands that I would associate with like young college students that are just buying their first car. They put out weird stuff by, like, the Melvins. Um, and mostly, like, promotional-only stuff that was just going away. I tell you what, that's one kid, basically, who was tasked with doing it 
by whatever the agency or something. And he was like, I'm just going to put this money where it needs to go, <laughs> bring out some actual yeah. shit that I'm interested in rather than stuff that's going to like, you know, like sell the car. Or I can imagine some like really jaded, like 40 year old stoner. He's <laughs> like, yeah, Melvin's they're still cool. Get them back out there. Brilliant. Um, I wonder how many cars they sold. A lot um, still, probably, basically the, I imagine. <laughs> but on the basis of the record label, squat. I'm not sure. Um, the, the label's it's done now, so I don't know how long it lasted, like maybe about five it's or six quite years. quite long, though. Yeah, look them up. There's quite a lot of like, really weird and cool, interesting releases. Um, this one, it was only 500 copies, so it's a real collector's item. Um, like I said, just one-sided single so get off on yellow vinyl um but yeah obviously they or sub pop thought highly enough of this track to to use it as a as a kind of highlight from nice um the next one is uh next song is sad pricks let's have a listen to that planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365 day returns Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Sad pricks. Um, Dan, do you think they're talking about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they're talking about some um, people from Ottawa that they harbored a grudge against. And they're like, this is our chance yeah. to get something down on tape for posterity. <laughs> or maybe it's how they're dealing with impotency. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's a more... Um, Inflammatory title than Brewer's Droop, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Brewer's Droop. <laughs> Is that, we, we often call it in um, rural Britain. <laughs> I've never heard that. 
Yes, I'm not rural enough, clearly. Um, yeah, too urban. Too way too urban. So, yeah, sad pricks. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit of an interesting one here. So it's a bit more darker. Uh, the bass has a bit more, you know, depth and meat to it. It's quite heavy, um, quite low in the EQ here as well. Uh, the riff again here, I don't, I don't really mind. I don't think it quite has the hook of the other songs. It feels slightly repetitive, I have to say, um, for, you know, for this song, at least. Uh, his screaming is good here. Um, and it's pushed quite far back in the mix, which is probably for the best because it's kind of monotonous. And that's, you know, something I've said before where it's it's not really got a melody, but here it just it does feel like it's the same thing again. Around the two-minute mark, it kicks out to just the drums uh, with the guitar coming in before they head back into that main riff. Again, that's the kind of feels like it's the Mets formula a little bit. And it's fine. It's a It's a little... It's a little cheap. It's a little, you know, I don't want to say boring, but it's a bit more of the standard fare of a, of a Mets song. But, you know, like most of these songs, they don't really last long. So you kind of, you know, you get through the ones that you may not like so much anyway. And it's not that I don't like this song. It's just I don't feel as it's as strong as the other ones. <laughs> so the, the next one uh, coming up is, Dan, it's your favourite. It's Rats. We're finally going to play Rats. Yes. Let's have a listen. Dan, was it everything that you hoped and dreamed of? <laughs> I don't get tired of this one. I love it. Yeah, it's good. It, I, I, it's probably one of my, if not my favourite track on the album, I think. Um, again, it's, and it's, especially since we just had Sad Pricks, which was quite standard, this one feels like it's doing a lot more here. So it, it begins with just, it's just bending this one note on the guitar. And that's what I love about it. Is it uh, just having that allows the drums to be really interesting here. And each, each one of these riffs is like, as I say before, it's its own little build up and climax, which, you know, as a listener is super satisfying to listen to. Um, the bass is doing something slightly interesting here and there. Um, but generally the song goes a few interesting directions and that itself makes it a much better listen. I mean, one of the things I always go on about is that I really like it when there's a lot of variety in one song, not that it's like, you know, going off on one and completely crazy, but when things kind of still feel like they fit together, but they're actually quite different. And rats is a, is a good example of this um, in terms of, you know, the Mets songwriting. Um, and then, yeah, it's got this almost chanting sensibility of, you know, you got rats. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, before having a, like a, another another breakdown, um, but it sounds like they're suddenly it, it sounds like they're playing something completely different, and I love this bit. It, it influences me, I think, anyway, in terms of like songwriting and stuff like that. Just because it feels like it's doing so much, and it's just such a frenzy, and you're just struggling to kind of keep up with the song. Then that guitar riff, you know, drives it again, like in the beginning. It's dirty, it's fun, it's different, it's cool, it's raw, and I love it. Yeah, this one's it's just so visceral. Um, those guitar breaks with that kind of like screeching sound, there's a pause where you kind of get a little release and then those absolutely hammering drums right up front and kind of like bloody in your face. The screaming, the vocals, you know, when he's 
saying about how you've got the rats. <laughs> I mean, suggestive of like something worse than a rat infestation. Yeah, you know, it could very well be you've got AIDS. Yeah, well, it's it, it's kind of weirdly like <laughs> it's it's like someone with an anxiety attack and you're shaking them. <laughs> you got rats. <laughs> You can't sleep. It's like, oh my God, I can't sleep. You're right. I've got rats as well. This is all, it's all going wrong. <laughs> it feels like that. Like, wake up, yeah. man. It's a bit melodramatic. <laughs> Get in that with way. it. <laughs> it, feels, it feels like that. Um, Definitely a big slap in the face. Yeah. I mean, is it about drugs? <laughs> um, I hope not. Yeah, I hope, Maybe I hope it's not. just actually about some rats. So do I. It's literally this could like... This on the soundtrack. <laughs> this is like... You could you could put this you know on record store day they do that like side by side limited edition seven inch yes um they could put this on a seven inch with Michael Jackson's Ben on the other side <laughs> why <laughs> Ben it's from the um, soundtrack to Willard about um, oh a, bloody a, hell a creepy guy yeah who, played by Crispin Glover isn't it Crispin Glover yeah and. Uh, People always say it's actually like Michael Jackson singing a heartfelt ballad to his um, pet rat. Is it? Well, people say that, but I feel like maybe that's been misconstrued because the song was the like um, the lead theme from from Ben. Sorry, I said Willard, but Willard was the sequel. The song Ben is from the film Ben. Oh, oh, what? Okay, so it's not about a song like to his first victim or anything like that. <laughs> No, it's to the rat. <laughs> <laughs> he forges an unhealthy relationship with his rat, um, so the character weird. in the film, not Michael Jackson. Right. Um, so where anyway, does, yeah, where does no, Crispin Glover Jackson, come in? <laughs> he's um, Crispin Glover. Is he the oh, one? No, he's, so hold on, is this You're film thinking about, about the remake. Yeah, and that's when he... Um, He's watching that girl from the tree, and then he makes he's friends with his son. Yeah, I haven't seen that film. Yeah, and then the sons actually come from 1985, which is what's weird. So he's just like a kid. Have you seen it? No. Yeah, and then um, he's got like a car that um, goes through space and time. Is this Herbie? Hang on. Do you remember it? And then they go to like a high school party. Um, we've got very, we've gone very <laughs> off track here. <laughs> I know, I know. It's difficult to think of Crispin Glover and imagine him in anything other than Back to the Future. <laughs> but it did happen. <laughs> did you know? Actually, I tell you right in the original Ben, that role is played um, by the actor who was also the dad in Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Yeah, so uh, we, we'll go on to... Let's listen to Knife in the Water. You know, you know, Dan, when you're washing up... Yeah. You've got to be a bit careful sometimes because, you know, when it's all bubbly and if you've got a knife in the water... Uh, could cut yourself I know also um, when you're recycling um, tin cans push the lid in because um, 
if if you put your hand in the bin, then you, you can cut your hand. That's what happened to me. Oh, really? So domestic tips. So the problem with knife in the water straight away is that the beginning sounds almost identical to headache, um, which is a bit annoying, uh, and I feel like it's a bit cheating, really, to be honest. Um, but you know, by and I'll, I'll play. I tell you what, I'll play the two of them together, and you can see what I mean. I mean, you could just say, oh, it's just opening with the drums. But it's a little bit like, it's quite similar. <laughs> yeah, I rest my case. There's no, there's no wonder they're back to, you know, not back to back. Um, so by this point, you kind of, uh, you know, you kind of get used to the formula here. So for me, it sounds quite similar to Sad Pricks as an actual song, but it does a bit more with it. Um, problem being is that the pauses here don't, feel quite as show-stopping as they did before in, in well, any of the songs, really. Um, it's really simple. It's got some strange chords beneath the hard riffs, which I quite like, uh, which is quite cool. The vocals here are a bit more screamy, so, you know, something a bit more chant-worthy. Um, and the breaks here are great. They feel really tense, which is quite cool, but then it's over. Again, it's very short, um, and it always... It's one of those songs which works, I think, a lot better live, than it does on the record because um, it feels very very angry but uh yeah yeah it's a bit sluggish here yeah yeah i can see that it's um it's okay it's okay it's it's all right but yeah i wouldn't uh say it's one of the best tracks on the album and it's one of those it's one of those tracks where like you were saying before with it being quite repetitive and that being a criticism songs like this you're kind of like yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh, th- this is where it starts to yeah bog it down a little bit um again i think one criticism um i read was that you know i mean the album's like what half an hour yeah um and one criticism is that it starts to feel dense and it's a bit like hard work at some points and um i think yeah tracks like this start to sort of bog it down a little bit yeah, and especially with the next track, which is Nausea. Um, which, it's just basically, it just sounds like experimental noise. Not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, as you said, you, you know, if you're already struggling to get to this point, you'd probably have turned it off as soon as you hear this. <laughs> Um, the sound quality, sound, they've made it sound like it's been like run through a tape machine or something, or like it's been dumped underwater or something like that. Um, and it's this like weird like mid-album break and almost like a, a breather, um, some kind of like weird palate cleanser, but instead of being fresh lemon water or something, you're just licking grit. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit more soft. It's not as aggressive as the other songs. So I suppose it is kind of a little bit of a, you know, pause in the action. Yeah. I quite like it in terms of, of, you know, as a bridging track. Um, I think it definitely needed something after knife in the water just to differentiate the sound a little bit from what's come before. And then you're into kind of like the latter half of the album. Yeah. And and then again, we're kind of in a real, all these songs are pretty much great for the most part. Um, so, yeah, let's listen to uh, a little bit of Wet Blanket. 
So, yeah, Wet Blanket might be my favourite song of the album, actually. Um, I love the drums here. Very fast, very angry. The bass is uh, cranked so that those notes, you know, really pack a punch with the drums. Um, the guitar is playing another really weird, really incredible chord behind it all. And the verses, the verses sound like really evil. Um, and it sounds like they're playing around with that, the same beat, but in different ways, uh, which kind of keeps your interest peaked. Um, I love the build-up section here as well. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Drain You, um, that bit, funny enough. Um, mm. And it's just these strange noises. Yeah, it goes on for, for longer than you think. Um, and it sounds great. And when it actually breaks, those drums attack like a fucking machine gun and really hit you. Like you're being like, mowed down by the music. It's great. Um, so, yeah, I really feel like this is a masterpiece track. And it's pure, like, if you want to show someone like the best of Mets, this would be up there. Yeah, it's a great song. And like you say, it starts to introduce some slightly different elements. Um, again, taking it beyond that kind of just just noise rock, just just punk. Um, it's a bit more bit more playing around with um, some sort of like feedback and ambient sound. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one, and it leads on to another great song, uh, which is "Wasted." Let's have a listen. So again, like the other tracks, it's noisy. It's got a dirty guitar riff. The verses sound horrible. The guitars sound like they're almost out of tune. It's desperate vocals. Um, and then the chorus is almost like a chant, this layering of vocals. This it, it's middle eight comes out of nowhere, essentially. It doesn't sound right, which is great. Um, and then it breaks up and the drums bring it back to the chorus. And it's got this great ending, another, another build-up, and they do like their build-ups. Um, and it slowly fades out as, as if it goes on forever and ever, this little earworm. Um, like, you you know, you just caught a glimpse of this song as it was just like travelling by like a fucking train or something like that. Like, you, you weren't able to kind of catch it. Um, and again, it's like a... I think it's a really great song, just the fact that it's about just being drunk, being flat-out drunk. Um, they take that word wasted and play on it in the uh on the in the video because they made a, a music video for this and it was actually seemingly selected as the not not officially um commercially released single but there was a promo cd sent around to radio stations um and then there you get a sense of this kind of like wasted youth yeah what what's the video what happens it's kind of like footage of just um groups of people posing as if they're posing for like um, you know, old um, photographs that you would get in a supermarket or a mall. You know, those kind of like cheesy, tacky family portraits. Yeah, that's cool. But they're all kind of a bit um, subverted. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people with like freaky eyes and things like that. Um, it's cool. And it's got a kind of like retro VHS glitchy kind of um, style to it. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, yes, yeah, it's, a, it's gen- genuinely a good track. Uh, and then this takes us to The Mule. Let's check it out.
the mule. Uh, so again, it's a it's a simple beat. It's very effective, um, and yeah, it's kind of more about the chorus. Um, I do love what the guitar does here, though. It's it's quite again, it's catchy and like a almost don't want to say poppy. It's just catchy, um, and then it goes into that dark riff uh, that I'd have probably wanted the verses to do more. Um, uh, but instead, they're just a bit more of a preamble to the chorus. Uh, harmonies in the chorus are great as well. Um, really lift it. And yeah, just genuinely a good song. And this takes us to Negative Space. Let's have a listen to the Negative Space. So this song is uh, it's really raw and scratchy. There's these little uh, poppy little woos or whatever in the middle. Um, the chord he's playing is horrible and it's weird and it's great. Uh, the bass and the drums are really at the forefront here, to be honest, um, which is nice. And the guitar is kind of more about creating this overriding sense of unease. Um, there's a lot of variety here, subverting expectations, I should say. Uh, and then meeting expectations as well in a really strange way. It's uh, satisfying and unsatisfying at the same time. Uh, there's just lots of lots of variety. Uh, they play with the quality a lot. They make things sound dirty, and then you know, then suddenly it all comes in quite clear and loud. Um, it's it's just a really interesting uh, song, and it's I think it's quite a good way to a good way to end it. Um, and it shows the kind of you know what. Mets are good at, um, to be honest, like creating a raw sound, still keeping it catchy, mucking around with, you know, what's deemed punk or post-rock or noise or whatever and all this stuff. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like that, like you said, it's kind of uh, a bit nastier, a bit uglier. It makes me think of something that could have come out in the early 90s on Amphetamine Reptile. Um, it's kind of um it's a bit twisted right i agree yeah it's uh, it's quite a cool one to end on but then it doesn't really end here we've got a weird song that comes in a little bit afterwards a secret song what's that song called it's called my balls <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it's called is it do you know what it's, it's called? called i know what it's oh, called oh but um you know, I had trouble pronouncing the bassist's name earlier. I can't. Oh, this is unpronounceable. God. For God's sake. Go on. It's dash dash. Uh, two kind of like closed parentheses. Another couple of dashes. Sounds like an emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Morse code or something. Maybe it means something to someone. Yeah. Maybe it's... Uh, special message to a loved one well, you can't be everything to everyone um yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah this secret song is just uh, feedback <laughs> 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 you know um guitar players out there when, when you leave your guitar up against the amp and you get that really horrible like weird feedback it's basically imagine someone's just recorded it and thought that sounds good isn't it yes have that at the end it's not really a track um, it kind of leaves this weird, horrible, nasty taste to the album, as if you've like 
yeah, and it's making you sit through it. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, almost like it's trying to objectively make you get up and stand up and turn it off. Because uh, it's quite loud as well at one point. And, uh, yeah, what a horrible end to um, a rather good album. What what did you think? Do you just switch it off before you even bother listening to this bit? Um, yeah, I'm not a fan. I could do without it. Like I said, like you said, that um, closing song's really good. They should just end it on that, really. I don't. I'm not a fan of hidden tracks and stuff. Anyway, kind of like this is the album. This is the statement. Don't like shove things on the end. Yeah, willy nilly. Yeah, like when I think of like other secret songs, not to you know keep banging on about Nirvana, but Endless Nameless felt like it was a natural song. Well, it was a natural song, do you know what I mean? But and even though it was kind yeah. of like this muck about or whatever, um, it was still good. And even like gallons of um, you know rubbing alcohol uh, flow through the strip or whatever it's called on in utero, um, yeah. I still listen to that. And even though I register the fact that. They've gone, it's not really a song and we don't really want to include it, but we kind of want you guys to have it. It feels like it kind of, you know, ticks that box a little bit. Whereas like we don't want to make it an official an official track, but we think it's something that we we quite like to include in its own way. Whereas with, yeah. with this, I'm a bit more like, well, they did like why? Why bother? Yeah. I don't know. Well, why indeed? Maybe somebody out there listening knows. Yeah. Well, if you do, you can Write in and tell us, because we don't know. Um, <laughs> Maybe they're a heartfelt advocate of this track. It's their favourite thing on the album. Have you not heard of Dash Dash Bracket Bracket Dash Dash? It's my favourite <laughs> Met song. <laughs> said, um, said no one. The um, initial LP, the uh, vinyl. Yes. Um, so Sub Pop at the time, I don't know when they started doing this, but it continues to this day released something called a loser edition um and it's kind of basically like the first run right and usually they come in you know some kind of like color vinyl variant um so the loser edition of mets um came on like marbled white vinyl sounds good with a bonus seven inch oh yeah um and that's got two songs on it and they're rather good um the first one is dirty shirt yeah i've heard that um which I, I like. I, it's a little bit different to the other stuff on the album. It feels a bit more like, a bit more garagey to me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I th- really cool song. Definitely worth looking up if you like the album and you want to expand. Yeah. Um, and the other one's Leave Me Out. And I really thought when this started, um, before the vocals come in, it sounds really Nirvana-y something about like the guitar tone and the atmosphere it's building and then you get these kind of like quite clear stop start kind of like bashy drum beat it makes me think of something like like it's got the lurch of oh the guilt or curmudgeon something like that okay it's interesting yeah it's another cool little song if you're into that kind of sound really nice hidden gem and it does feel like something that would be on a b-side you know okay yeah i haven't heard that one i might have to check it out so um, what else uh, do you think people should be checking out if they like this record? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people have said uh, Jesus Lizard, um, which I can kind of see. Uh, I kind of see that, don't know. 
Um, I'm a big Jesus Lizard fan, and I personally... I mean, I can see why people say it to a degree. It's like the overall sound. Um, I mean, like the, the, the sonic sound, the tone. But in terms of the songwriting, like it's not as complex as the Jesus Lizard. It hasn't got all like the jazzy breaks that they've got. Um, and it certainly hasn't got the sort of like unhinged, demented vocals of David Yao. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird comparison. When I read it, I was like, maybe there's a whole bunch of Jesus Lizard stuff. I mean, I'm not that au fait with Jesus Lizard anyway, but I was like, oh, I kind of see it, but maybe there's like a whole bunch of stuff I'm not aware of that is actually quite Mets sounding. But yeah, maybe that's not the case then. No, no, but I think people, you know, Jesus Lizard are part of that like Chicago noise rock yeah. scene of the early 90s. I think, um, you know, this band sits more comfortably like in the Minneapolis kind of sound, like I said earlier, um, Amphetamine Reptile Records. Um, like, if you like this, personally, I would kind of like check out uh, other Amrep bands, um, Unsane. Hammerheads, they all spring to mind. That's interesting. Uh, um, and then obviously it's like it's so clearly rooted in, um, like you know, like Washington hardcore of the eighties. Yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this and and you don't know and haven't listened to early Black Flag, um, then do that because that is like the touchstone for a lot of. Um, punk, noise, alternative rock, everything basically that then came, uh, that was guitar based in the 90s that wasn't hair metal. Yeah. I was trying to think of like contemporary, other contemporary ones. Um, and I actually had a really hard time. I was thinking about what we spoke about um, the other day with like Eagles. Um, yeah. And that kind of fits it a little bit. Um, not quite as intense, but you know, Still there, and also um, a band who I think you hate, but that we actually saw support Mets. Um, I can't remember where Camden Underworld, I think it was. Um, they're called Bad Breeding, basically a bunch of British chaps um, uh, who spit out these songs, and um, it's just as fast. It's just as frantic. It's not quite as melodic, but it's very like it's still quite dark and punky um, and noisy and yeah, it kind of, I don't know. I was then I think of things like maybe, I don't know, fat white family. Yeah. In part, some of their stuff's a bit more, I don't know. They've got a lot it's more, a bit going more different. On. Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm trying to think of things that have like, well, I, was, I was thinking of idols. Yeah. You know, like I don't really sorry. doing really well at the moment. Um, they're getting like quite a lot of attention in the UK. I even see their posters around London, yeah, advertising their gigs and, and records and things. And because that's quite—I don't want to make it sound like this is one-dimensional—but um, you know, bands like Jesus Lizard, Fat White Family. I think there's a bit more um, of their influences on show in the music they make. Idols is very—it feels quite straight up. It is nasty visceral yeah noisy punk rock i don't really like idols <laughs> i don't know like a lot of people it's one of those bands where like, people come up and like you know oh you like them i'm just like i can't get on board with it i just don't i think it maybe it's his voice i don't know yeah i, I liked the record i heard from a few years ago i can't remember what it was was it um 
Brutalism, I think. Okay. Is that them? No, no idea, I don't know. Maybe I should go back and have a listen. Yeah, do it, check it out. Um, yeah, so lasting impressions of this album. It's one of the few albums uh, that I constantly return to, um, no matter what. I mean, after this, they released, uh, well, two, if you want to call it, Mets 2, <laughs> the sequel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, which again had some had some really great songs on, but it was a. Whereas this is has a lot of hits, and it's all the songs are pretty much at least okay to good. Um, with the second album, I feel like there's a few duds that really kind of bring the average down, let's say. Um, and some of the tracks like um, the "Swimmer," I think, is uh, is on that album. Um, really great tracks, but. I don't know. And maybe we'll do another episode on, on it. And Strange Peace, again, There's for me, there was only like one or two standout songs from that album. Um, and it's that classic thing of like, you know, uh, Interpol, for instance, who I love, Do It Too, where first album, every track is like amazing and it's got that sound and you love it. And then each subsequent album, there's less and less cool songs on it if that makes sense mm. so it's not that there's like it's a dud album really or, or you know there's an album where it's just like this is just plain shit but it will be the further along they go and the more they release there's like less and less of those you know hits as it were those kind of good tracks um and i'm kind yeah. of feeling like mets might be going down that route a little bit that might be a bit um i hope they're not listening uh that might be a little <laughs> bit um I think we can pr- be pretty sure they're not listening. Yeah, true. Along, along with the along rest with everyone of the else in the world, educated world. <laughs> <laughs> A band like this, it, the, their impact does diminish. I think the more maybe you you, you listen to new material. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not sure I even listened to Strange Peace. Yeah, we were talking about this. Because looking now, this would be on paper right up my alley. Talking about the like Jesus lizard and the Chicago sound. This was produced by Steve Albini, and it was recorded at his at his studio, Electrical Audio. Oh, really? Um, I'm not sure I even yeah, I'm not sure I've even listened to this at all. It's good. It's not great. It's okay. Out of the three, I'd say it's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes Albini doesn't doesn't mesh with bands. Um, you know, like uh, he was meant to do uh, Fugazi's in on the Kill Taker. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a whole um, leak of of demos that they did with Steve Albini. What happened? And they they both just said it wasn't working. Like there's no there's no bad blood. Just professionally, they were like, eh, didn't didn't really work out. Hmm. So they um, Fugazi went off and did the album. I mean, Fugazi uh, are a good band that you know people who maybe want to listen to more of this stuff as well should go and go and check out. Yeah, definitely. Oh my god, yeah, Fugazi. Um especially probably like Repeater, Steady Diet of Nothing. Um and in on the Kill Taker, mm. although at that point they start to become a little bit more experimental. Yeah. Um some good some good stuff out there. Uh but yeah. They're still playing around the world. They've got another album coming out soon. Um and they're doing really well. I I think uh you know, and I hope they do bring out um, some more stuff, but there is that element, like you just said, where you've kind of got your, you're kind of backed up into a corner a little bit here now. Like, where do you, where do you go? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, got... I'd like to see them maybe incorporate some new elements into their sound. Although that's always, you know, it's a bit dangerous. Yeah, it's really dangerous, especially with something where, like, if you think about this album, the ones that we like are like ones that are just simple and cool and just have a bit more to it without getting too experimental because they've they've kind of done that and we kind of saw them do that a bit last week with like these big like felt like five minute or whatever like you know just wank basically which is kind of (laughs) kind of fine um i liked it i like a bit of wank yeah Um, um it was kind of like um that kind of like reverby, slightly psychedelic guitar feedback jam that started to remind me a little bit of like the OCs, that yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Um, I'm not saying they should go, you know, we're going to be psychedelic garage band, but um, I wouldn't mind a little bit more of that kind of experimental sound in there. Yeah. Start building a bit more space into some tracks. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, so, Dan, that's, that's it for today. Um, where can people reach you? Dreadful Discs on Instagram and on YouTube coming soon. Coming soon. Um, and thank you very much for, for joining us today. Um, so, yeah, for any new Winter fans, uh, firstly, I should say that if you can go to patreon.com slash new winter, um, then you can sign up to some special bits and pieces on there, which sound very interesting. Um, and you get to support the show, which is great. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at a new winter. We've also now got an Instagram at a new winter as well. You can email us a new winter podcast at gmail.com. But yeah, do again, if you can rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice, that's great. If you've got buck, three bucks, five bucks, a hundred bucks, 5,000 bucks that you can kind of put towards the show. That's great. And you can get stuff back for that. Again, go to patreon.com slash new winter. I'll stop plugging that now. Um, go out and check out Mets, uh, because it's a good album. And if they're playing live near you, I highly recommend going to see them. Uh, so that's it for now. Thanks very much guys. See ya. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.